from Galatians chapter 4, verses 8 through 20, if you'd like to follow along in your pew Bible. The heading in my Bible for this portion of Scripture is Paul's Concern for the Galatians. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not God's. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You are observing special days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. I plead with you, brothers and sisters, become like me, for I became like you. I, you have done, no, done me no wrong As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. Even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. What has happened to all your joy? I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? Those people are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us, so that you may have zeal for them. It is fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good, and to be so always, not just when I am with you. My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth, until Christ is formed in you, how I wish I could be with you now and change my tone. Because I am perplexed about you. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I have a story that I want to share with you. I referenced it in the children's time. N.T. Wright is a theologian based out of Oxford, England, I believe. He puts out a lot of, of books and other things. You might see studies or times in which he's been on the news. But in his commentary called Paul for, Galatians, Paul for Everyone, Galatians and Thessalonians... Um, He opens this portion of this chapter with telling a story. Now before I begin, I don't know if this story is true. I've tried to find the data to find it. I've been looking for a couple of weeks. I haven't found it. But nevertheless, it still tells a good story. And so I'm going to share it with you to start this morning. N.T. Wright writes, The whale is one of the greatest sights in the animal kingdom. To go out on a small boat, to wait perhaps for hours, and then to see one of these magnificent creatures come to the surface, or even leap from the water, few can resist the experience. And one of the wonderful things about it is that these animals are free. They are doing what they want to do, living their own lives. But of course, some whales live in captivity. Some are kept in great aquariums where they are usually well looked after, regularly fed, and taught to do remarkable things. They are intelligent animals and enjoy working and playing with humans and showing off in front of an audience. Not everyone, though, approves of keeping them in captivity. Some years ago, on the Pacific coast of North America, animal rights activists managed to set a whale free from an aquarium beside the ocean. What happened next was remarkable. The whale swam some distance, spent a short time at sea, and then returned voluntarily to the aquarium. It had obviously decided that it was better off being looked after in captivity than fending for itself 
in the dangerous and difficult world outside. It's an interesting story, whether it's true or not, in presenting the picture of choice and how easy it is for us to choose the things that we know even over things that you and I would perceive as better, as offering more life, as offering freedom, as giving us a chance to experience freedom in a new way and a different way. This story is interesting because the whale had the opportunity to do all things, but yet it chose to go back to that which it knew, to the routine, to the feedings, to not having to fend for itself. It chose what what it knew in weighing against the unknown or the unsure. It picked that which it knew. Now I realize for some this this is an interesting story because I think it places a, a great emphasis or a great illustration for us of what Paul is attempting to tell the Galatians in this letter. Especially in this chapter, the fourth chapter. When he talks to this early church, to these early followers of Jesus, about how easy it is for them to return to that which they had known. He's presenting to them, he's telling them he doesn't understand, or he does, the temptation that they have. Of what it's like to be tempted to return to that which they had experienced before to that which they had done before they became followers of Jesus. Because really in Paul's letter to the church, that's essentially the choice I think that he sees, is whether or not you choose to follow Christ. I mean, there's a lot of other things that he's written in this letter, but I think the underlying theme throughout is whether or not or how you choose to be a follower or a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so the Galatian Christians had recently received this gift, this life, this message. And now in Paul's absence, because he's gone, there are those there teaching them and telling them that they need to live a different way. And so they could continue to follow this message of grace and hope that Paul and Barnabas had given them. Or they could choose to just set it aside. And they could set aside the grace that they had received in order to return to the activities that they had done before, the ways of worship that they had practiced, the other gods that they had worshipped, the living for themselves, the no longer being a community that cared and loved one another. See, I think for Paul it was a simple choice of what they had to do and of who they were going to follow. I don't think Paul gives them a lot of options. Because he basically says, choose who you're going to choose, but choose right. Choose Christ. Because Christ gives you life and freedom and opportunity and hope. And in a sense, Paul is almost saying to them, are you going to return to your own Egypt? To that which bound you and held you back in your own time and place. See, we have to remember that Paul grew up a man in the Jewish faith. We have to remember that Paul was a Pharisee and he knew the history of his people and he also knew that the people in which he was teaching had some knowledge of their story. But see, Paul used this different story and he referenced the slavery of the people of Israel in Egypt 
to show the faithfulness of God to the Galatian Christians. I mean, he knew that the people of Israel faced a very similar choice in their own lives of whether or not they were going to follow Moses, of whether or not they were continue to trust in God. They'd followed Moses out of the land of Goshen, a land in which they had plenty. They'd crossed the sea. They'd entered the wilderness. The wilderness was a place in which they had and knew nothing. And the wilderness was about as opposite of a place as you could have as the land of Goshen, where they had water and food and and vegetables, the land where they had lived and worked and farmed and known. But when they were delivered... They left that slavery and they stepped into the unknown, into the freedom, receiving that freedom and leaving behind that which they had known. And so instead of knowing where their next meal was to come from, they had to trust in God. The food that God provided was the same every day and they began to question it. They were afraid at first from the Egyptians and then from the Canaanites who knew that they were coming, who knew the land that they were heading to and so they were going to defend it. But yet again and again they called to God and every time they asked why. They said, why did we leave? Why did we set out? Why did we do? Why did we leave the known for the unknown? Some said we're better off in Egypt as slaves than here. And some even plotted to designate a new leader instead of Moses and to return. You may be asking, how does this relate to the Galatians? But in a sense, Paul is using the teaching, the experience, the shared history of the people of Israel to point the Galatians towards something in which they can see the faithfulness of God. And that God's faithfulness leads people who believe into freedom. Freedom from slavery, freedom from sin, freedom from the things that bound them and bind them and hold them back and weigh them down and keep them from living lives that are full. In a sense, the Galatian church, they're almost in a wilderness of their own. They've left that which they knew. They've left the idolatry and the way that they had lived before. And they've taken up the cross of Jesus Christ. And in a sense, they're in a wilderness. Because they're stepping forward in faith and in the freedom that God has given them. There's no one around them that they can look to and say, how do we do this? What does it mean for us to be a people of faith? What does it mean to be us to be disciples of Jesus Christ? But yet they've embraced this message that Paul has shared. And they'd stepped forward in faith. But now they're hearing another message. A message that's telling them that to be a Christian they have to follow a law. To be the Christian they have to observe the Jewish calendar. To be a follower of Jesus they have to do all these other things. And for Paul what he's saying is, you know, you're enslaving yourselves. You're enslaving yourselves by something that doesn't give you life. That doesn't give you hope. That doesn't give you freedom. Because Jesus offers you freedom. And so he's comparing it to the people of Israel. And what would have happened to them if they'd returned to the land of Egypt? Because we know in the book of Exodus what what would have happened if however many days into the journey when the people that were the naysayers said, we've got to go back. 
We know that the people of Israel would have been enslaved. They would have been placed back into that which they had known. And it would have been because they didn't trust God. See, in the Galatians, if they would have rejected this freedom that God had given them in Christ. You know, what Paul is saying is, you're enslaving yourselves. You're giving up the freedom. You're giving up the control. You're giving up the worship that I've shown you and shared with you in Christ Jesus. You know, the danger wasn't that the Galatians were going to return to Egypt. But the danger was that they were going to take on those things that detract from the Christian faith and in doing so, dissolve their effectiveness and their ability to grow together. See, Paul just doesn't want them to be a community of faith. But he wants them to be a community of faith that's growing and sharing and offering this to others. He's wanting them to see and to declare and to embrace the freedom that they've been given from Christ Jesus. And so he's asking them, why are you going back? Why are you going back to that which you have left behind? How can you proclaim to to say that you're a follower of Christ, that you've received this freedom that comes from God and Jesus when you're considering those things that are going to take it away? Because becoming a Christian means discovering the freedom that comes from knowing the true God. And then if you read in the scripture, from discovering the God that already knows you. See, in Galatians chapter 4, on verse 9, it says, Now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you're turning back? See, because for Paul, you can't turn back once you've discovered the gift that God has given you. You can't return to those things, those burdens, those sins, whatever it is that held you back before and still proclaim the freedom and the life that God has given us in Christ Jesus. Discovering the freedom that God has given us means knowing that God knows you. Or as Wesley would say, knowing that God loves you and has given you the full measure of His grace. So that you can experience it. So that you can receive it. And so that you can take it. And use it in your life. And share it with others. See becoming a Christian means. Discovering the freedom. That comes from Christ. And setting aside those things that pull us back. And stepping forward into the faith. And the life and the relationship that God has given us. See the temptation is great. When you're a follower of Jesus. To return to those things that you've left behind. The temptation is there. To return to that which we knew. Or to once again exchange the freedom that we've received. Through Christ Jesus for the burden that restrains us. And holds us back. And see, so Paul is saying to us, 
is that live into the freedom that you've received through Christ Jesus. Receive the grace that He's given you in the first chapter, second chapter. He says, be imitators of me as you've discovered Christ for yourself so that in all things you may receive and use and know the freedom that God has given you. So that you may receive the grace that has been given to you. And so that we can step forward in faith as a people together. It's easy for us to turn back as followers of Jesus. It's easy for us to receive another burden and to carry it. And it doesn't give us life or hope or faith. But it just holds us. And keeps us from being who God wants us to be. A people of faith filled with grace. Guided by the Holy Spirit. And one way for us to receive the gift of grace again. Or to remember or recognize the gift of grace that God has given us is in Holy Communion. Which we celebrate this morning. Knowing that it's a way that Paul writes that we proclaim Christ's death and the sacrifice that he made on our behalf. 